right. I feel weird. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. You're going to have the giggles. I might. I might. All right. I don't even know what to do. I feel weird because I'm on the other side too. Ah, I know. Two weeks out from recording and you moved your location. Yeah. It's just, I'm discombobulated, but we'll try it. Okay. Here we go. Welcome to Book Talk Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina. And I'm Renee. And this is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. And today, we're talking about short books to help you reach your yearly reading goal. If you enjoy listening, we'd love for you to follow us on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And if you have a minute, please consider leaving us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or sharing us on social media. All of this truly helps other book lovers find us. Hey, Tina. Hi, Renee. How are you? I'm good. I am totally book focused, but also we're recording the day after Thanksgiving and I am also, I have been easily distracted by all the sales coming into my email inbox. (laughs) I know, same here, but I've been using it. It's a great time to go into your inbox and unsubscribe to the email list that you no longer want to be on. So that's what I've been doing. Like I bought one pair of Spanx leggings two years ago. Do I still need to get their emails every (laughs) week? No, I do not. So I unsubscribed to a bunch of email lists. Mm -hmm. So that's been great. And then I was perusing Amazon for their deals on kids' toys. I'm like, oh, crap. But then, because I don't Mm -hmm. like to get sucked into the buy, buy, buy hype, but I'm going to buy her Christmas presents. So why not do it when they're on sale? That's how they get you. I mean, some of these sales are really good. And There's something else weird going on. This year, I'm noticing it already. When I go to websites and, you know, just give me the deal. But then it it says it's 40% off if you give your email. And then you can get an extra 10% off if you give your cell phone number. (laughs) So I I was like, no, I don't want to. But yes, I want the sale. So I've been doing that. And then I have to immediate, as soon as I've been getting the text messages, because I've already placed the order, I just can't, I've hit Cancel. stop. Yep. Stop immediately. And then can't, you know. Do not text all, me And ever. then I, yeah. Oh, it's so annoying. This is a new thing though, because I don't feel like there's been this bait and hook with emails yeah. quite like yeah, it is been this year. A full court press. Well, there's a lot of attention. I think a lot of people are doing sales and, you know, just a lot mm-hmm. of online space going on. So people are trying to get you however they can. Um, But yeah, I I am book focused. We had a little bit of a recording break and I read a ton of books. I read so many, which was awesome. But also it means I had a lot of alone time. (laughs) So (laughs) my husband works nights. So, you know, a lot of time by myself, but yeah, it was good. So I was happy to get some books knocked out. You've been in a groove, you Mm -hmm. said, and I have not. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, yeah. We'll talk too about why we decided to pick this episode and, you know, uh, of course, our reading goals for the year are totally arbitrary. I underestimated mm-hmm. a ton, and we'll talk a tiny bit about that. But I thought it would be fun to share short books, whether or not you've set a goal, whether or not you've already met your goal. I think it's still fun to have some short books in your back pocket. I agree. I agree. All right. Well, I'll tell you first about My Loving Lately, which is not book-related. Sort of. Actually, oh. I do have a loose book recommendation to tie in, but 
My Loving Lately is the entire series of Dead to Me on Netflix. Now, I looked and I'm like, did we talk about this as a full Loving Lately? And no, we've not had it as a full Loving Lately, though we we did mention it in passing. Have you watched this? Yes, yeah, season one. Okay. I haven't gotten into season two yet. Okay, perfect. So if you're not familiar, Dead to Me stars Christina Applegate and Linda Cardellini. And it's about this hot-headed widow who is searching for the hit-and-run driver who mowed down her husband. And she ends up meeting this woman at therapy, and the woman could not be more different from her. So she befriends this eccentric optimist who isn't quite what she seems. And there's actually three seasons. The third and final season just came out this November. And I swear, this is one of those shows where it's hard to give you a full description because it goes in directions that you would not expect. And so some of the fun is in the reveal. So I don't want to say too much. You think it's going to be about one thing, but then things happen and it changes it into another. But what I can say is that it's about grief and loss and about finding ways to rebuild after everything you thought you were going to have gets taken from you. And I'll say the real strength of this show is in the actresses. Christina Applegate and Linda Cardellini. They are wonderful. They have fantastic on-screen chemistry. And I love their friendship. And they're both so funny. I feel like I know them. I'm like, they've got great personalities. They're just acting, but they do a really good job. They are total opposites, but grow to have this wonderful friendship together. And they drink a lot of wine, which of course I love. (laughs) They make me laugh so hard and I love their banter. However, I will say for the third season, there was a big hiatus from like 2020 till now for obvious COVID reasons, but also because Christina Applegate was diagnosed with MS. And I want to mention too, the final season has a, a, I want to mention a trigger warning for major illness. So just keep that in the back pocket or in the back of your mind. I will say it's still really funny and they do a great job with it, but I think it's worth mentioning. And it's really sad because Christina's health is obviously declining and they'd had to be really creative in how they filmed the final season because she's having trouble walking. So they were creative with some of the shots and things, but she's since said this will be her final acting gig, which makes me so sad. But MS is one of those diseases that doesn't have a cure. So anyway, I still highly recommend the show. If you've read and liked the book, Finley Donovan is Killing It, you'll love this show. It's very, very, they're not the same, obviously, but it's kind of that similar dark humor. So Mm -hmm. I would pair those two together. And this show is dead to me on Netflix. That's a great loving lately. And I don't know why I forgot about ever just watching season two. No reason at all. I loved season one. It was great. So yes. Well, now you got two more to catch up on. Ready. Oh no, we're on a little bit of a hiatus from our bachelor watching. Yeah. So <laughs> it frees up some time. I could, yes, I can dig into something else. All right. My Loving Lately is also kind of book adjacent. It's a new podcast that I've been listening to. Well, it's not new, but it's new to me. It is the One You Feed podcast. And this was mentioned in our Discord community reads thread that we have for We Are the Light. Oh, yeah. And one of our patrons, Jen B., recommended the um, episode 548 of this podcast, which is called What We Can Learn from Our Bad Wolf with Matthew Quick, who is the author of We Are the Light. I listened to that. I loved it. Loved it. If you read that book, go back and listen to that podcast episode. It's so good. But I realized I really, really like the host. 
I like his vibe. I like this this podcast. His tagline is practical wisdom for a better life. So I started kind of going through his backlist, which is obviously extensive, but I ended up landing on another episode 549, which is how to stay motivated. And I loved it. I love his interview style. I love learning. I mean, I, I'm all, I love learning new things. I love hearing smart people talk about topics. I mean, of course I've read and thought about the concept of how to stay motivated, but I learned new things from that. I learned a lot from listening to Matthew Quick talk about mental health and and everything on his episode. I just, I love this. I'm going to be working very slowly through the backlist of this podcast, but that was the One You Feed podcast. Awesome. I love a good podcast recommendation, although I don't listen to a ton. I barely listen to our own episodes sometimes because I'm always <laughs> listening to books. But I like having them in my back pocket because sometimes I get burnt out with audiobooks, but I still want to listen to something. Mm-hmm. That's a good recommendation. Right. Wow, is it latest right. read time? It's been we were off for like it's a week time. and a half, and now I feel like I don't know how to record anymore. I know. You forget, did you forget our format? Yeah. So <laughs> latest reads are next, but okay. I kind of went the opposite of what the theme of our episode is. My latest read is not a short book. It is The Winners by Frederick Bachman. And this book has. I can't wait to hear about this. Yeah, this this book has almost 700 pages. And it is the last book in the Beartown series. Now, I read all of these books when they first came out. So it has been a while since I read Beartown and then Us Against You. But I will say, I don't think you have to go back and read them all in order to prep for the winners, unless, of course, you want to. Because what I did was I read a brief summary of what happened in Beartown and then what happened in Us Against You so that I could just jog my memory. And then in the beginning of the winners, he almost backtracks a little bit and gives you some of the major plot points. So I didn't feel lost at all. And the book opens up two years after Us Against You ended. And that book ends with a pretty big tragedy. So the book begins with showing the ways that everybody has tried to move on since then. And as we know, life waits for no one. So although some of the people are still grieving what happened years before, there's more tough times to come. And we find out in the beginning that some of our beloved characters are not going to make it. There's a major snowstorm that threatens both Beardtown and Head Hockey Club, like their actual facility. But also, of course, it's a huge snowstorm and a lot of the residents get stuck in it as well. There's a journalist that comes up from the big city to investigate Beardtown hockey finances. And then the, and this is in the synopsis, someone will grab a gun and walk toward the ice rink. Definitely a lot of drama going on here, which I think we've come to expect with Bachman. But what I love about this series and about his writing itself is his ability to reach into your head and pull things out that you've thought of yourself. He is such a sharp observer of human nature, and I swear this book made me tear up several times, especially when he's talking about parenting and about the passage of time. Like Those sections just really got me. I can't say a ton about this book. It's a third in the series. I say if you loved the first two, you'll absolutely love this one. I feel like we got a solid resolution. We got to revisit a lot of the things we loved about the first two books in the series. Not as much hockey, I think, as the other two. It's more about the townspeople themselves. 
It felt a little bit long, but I'm somebody that doesn't mind that. I loved spending extended time with these characters, and I'm really going to miss them now that I feel like we've finished the series. So I do highly recommend it. This book was The Winners by Frederick Bachman. Okay. I have a question for you. Yeah. As someone, I'm on the fence about this. I read both the previous books. Okay. Five-star Bear, Bear Town. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Mm-hmm. Three-star Us Against You. Mm-hmm. And then I'm on the fence about this. Where did this land in your enjoyment? Did you love, love, love both the other two and also love this one? I loved Beartown. The second one I liked a lot. This one I liked more than the second one. I don't know that you would like it. (laughs) That said, (laughs) I wish he could have given us like a 350 version, like a quicker version Mm, to get the main points because there's a lot of other stuff. He introduces other characters. You get to know some of the other people from Hied, which was cool. But if you want to just really kind of wrap things up and figure out what happened to the core, however many characters, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of other stuff in addition to that. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll see. I mean, I'm curious because I did read the other two. It's great. I mean, his writing is solid. And God, the things he says about parenting and just marriage and what happens when you're out of your quote unquote prime and like, what do you do with the Mm -hmm. rest of your life? Some really, really thoughtful things. And there was definitely suspense. It had a lot of ups and downs. It was very interesting how he told it because it wasn't like the others where I feel like you're building toward one big thing. There were several big things that got tackled here. At different times in the book, though. So I do love what you're saying, though. <laughs> I love books that illuminate human nature yeah. and say, and like you said, that say things in writing that you thought, but you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you don't put those into words yourself. I love that. So I don't know. I will say it took me about 150 pages to really. I was into it from the beginning, but you're learning new people in the very beginning. And I was like, wait, okay. what's going on? How are we going to tie these all in? And it does. It definitely does. But yeah, you, you've got to give it about okay. 150 pages before it starts to get really popping. <laughs> all right. All right. I'm, I, I may give it a whirl. Okay. My latest read, I have been dying oh my to gosh, talk tell about. Tell me everything. Dying. Oh, oh my gosh. Love this book. Loved it. It is Birthday Girl. By Nico Wolf. Oh, I love that book. Have you heard of that? No. <laughs> oh, I was like, what? No. There's no. <laughs> I'm going to tell you about this book without telling you very much about this book. It, it's the one that I teased you about that I said at the time, which I think still, there's only like 86 ratings on Goodreads. Oh and it God. came out in June. It's a new release. I don't understand why no one is talking about this book. Okay. This is set in New York in the 1990s at first, in the beginning. And you have an impoverished writer named Jonathan. And he and his wife go on a beach vacation for her birthday, his wife, Maddie. Now, you can tell they've been married for a while. You know, there's a very brief introduction. We get we get a dynamic between them. They've definitely been married for a while. They are not newlyweds. They actually have a kid together already. And he ends up taking her to the beach. They're swimming and he presents her with tickets that he got for her birthday as a huge surprise. And her reaction to those tickets is the end of the opening scene. Cut to... Hours later, he finds himself at the police station trying to explain how on earth he let his wife get into a stranger's car and drive away. Mm -hmm. 
And then fast forward 20 years because Maddie is still missing and he has went on with his life. He's channeled his grief into a best-selling series of crime novels. And as far as he can, he is living the perfect life until one day he catches a glimpse of his dead wife moving through a throng of people at a shopping mall. And the questions hit him like lightning. Is Maddie alive? Has she come back? And why does no one believe him? So as Jonathan attempts to uncover the truth, it soon becomes clear that the people closest to him are hiding something, something that could change everything. This book I had the best time with. I I did a combination print and audio and kind of landed mostly on the audio. Adam Sims narrated, and he did a great job with the narration. This was a book that at 350 pages, it was nine about nine and a half hours on audio, but I have a faster speed. So any I finished this in a day. I could not stop listening. I had a smile on my face the entire time because you know when you hit on a book like and you you get into the groove because I was like, this is not fast paced, yet I couldn't stop listening. Mm-hmm. There was something about the tone. And the story and the way the author laid out the plot that I just kept thinking, okay, this this seems simple. This seems like I I got I've got the story. I'm following it. It's interesting. I'm not sure what's happening. I'm there for the ride. It was just perfection. But make no mistake, this is an author who has all her eyes dotted and T's crossed plot-wise, because by the time I finished, not only was my jaw on the floor, I was giving her the biggest standing ovation. I I think I finished at the park, and I was like, who can, I have to talk about this book right now. Why is no one talking about this? Why was there no buzz about this? Like, I felt giddy mm-hmm. with my excitement, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to make a statement. I, I debated about this. I don't— should I say this? Should say I not? It, but this is how this is how I felt. This is the book that should have been marketed if you liked Gone Girl. If you've been searching for the next Gone Girl, mm-hmm. this is it. Like if you liked Gone Girl, you must read this. You just have to. It's that good. It's that clever. But here's what I also came up with: If Gone Girl by Gillian Flynn and The Plot by Jean Hamphorlitz had a book baby. It would absolutely be this okay, book. Okay, all right, I'll read absolutely. it. Absolutely. <laughs> and because I keep every, you know, because I keep everything a secret until the show, you know, I couldn't talk about this book. I wasn't going to, you know, post about it and shout about it. Right. I didn't tell you about it. So I did tell my mom <laughs> and <laughs> she bought it because the weird, like, I could only get this on Audible, I believe, and print copy. Libby didn't have it. So my mom bought it for her Kindle and she finished it in a day. And she called and was like, yeah, that was good. So that was Birthday Girl by Nico Wolf. Oh, my gosh. I'm, like, delighted. How have I not heard about this? Well, let me, I don't know. And if, and if I don't know, but I'm afraid, I was afraid to make the Gone Girl mm-hmm. comparison. I mean, you're not so going to be the only one. I don't one. know. Should I, I mean, leave that out? People say that pretty know. loosey-goosey. And I feel like I know. if you feel it, you feel it. I don't know, 86 ratings on Goodreads. What was the author? Nico Wolf. Nico Wolf. N-I-K-O. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Wow. 
Love it. So much fun. I got to read that. So much fun. All right. Yes. We do have a listener latest read today, and this one is very much in our Midwestern wheelhouse, as it is the Lager Queen of Minnesota. Oh. And this one is recommended by JenK37 on Instagram. And what I loved about how she framed it is that she called it a five-star read, a family saga told from the perspectives of three women in the family over time. The characters are so lovable and quirky, and I loved reading about women taking charge in a field dominated by men, i.e. brewing beer. Which, when I heard that, it was about women in the beer business. I want, I mean, obviously, Lager Queen of Minnesota, it makes sense. (laughs) But when she said that, I'm like, ooh, I love the sound of that. So that is our listener latest read for today. And this episode, again, where we kind of wanted to give you some books that you can knock out in a day, kind of like Birthday Girl. Um, <laughs> so mm. <laughs> now, but that one sounds like it wasn't a short book. It was just so compelling. You couldn't put it down. Right. It felt like a short book to me mm-hmm. because I flew through it. And I actually had that as one of my short books. But when I went back mm. to look at the page numbers, it's at 350. I was like, uh, I'm going to bump that to my latest Got read okay. because technically... I don't know if 350 pages. For me, that can sometimes read sh- like a short book. Yeah. If I, you know, if I fly through it. But sometimes 350 pages can drag. Yeah. It, oh, it so it so depends. <laughs> Do you consider 350 pages short? No, I think I that's know. average okay. for me. For this episode, I was thinking, all right, 250 pages or less is a short book. But there's lots out there that are even way less than that, that are like <laughs> less than a hundred pages. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll talk about that. Where were you landing for this? Well, in my mind, when I think of short books, like that, I'm actually going to specifically focus on looking for, I do think 300 to 350, 350 would be the high end mm-hmm. of like, that's doable. If I'm looking for something that I want to finish, maybe in one day, if I have a whole day, okay. depending on how fast, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If I have print and audio, it's possible for me to do a 350 page in one day. Yeah. Ideally, I, can, I kind of think 250 to 300 is a night, like a really like sweet spot short book for me. Like a sweet spot, that's like where you like to read or like you think that's a short book? Yeah. When I think short book, I think 300 pages or less. Okay. Got it. So 300 pages or less is where yeah. you were. Mm-hmm. So Celadon, yeah. we were looking it up and they have a loose guide and they said short novels are 200 pages or fewer. Novellas are 60 mm-hmm. to 120 and short stories average 4,000 words. But I kind of agree with you. If I'm going to call something short, I'm thinking 250-ish in that range. But definitely, I would still mm-hmm. say under 300 would count. But anything over three, I don't think is short. I, I really wouldn't call that a short book. Right. It might it feel short, but I don't think it is short. Yes. <laughs> it definitely right. depends. And like, right. so do you, I feel like you had said uh, recently that short books have been working for you this year. Yeah. In the fall, mm-hmm. I definitely think I have been reading more short books, mm-hmm. not on purpose, especially October, definitely November. Mm-hmm. I feel like I cannot settle in with a, a really long book. Okay. And I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know if it's topic research that's been taking like taking up a lot of my like mental time and because I'm like for the main show and for criminally booked, I've been mm. doing a mm-hmm. lot of online research and I don't know. And then some books just aren't hitting me. Yeah. But short ones like We Are the Light was pretty short. The other ones I'm bringing today are short. I don't, there's something about, I don't know, just starting and possibly finishing 
a book in the same day. Mm-hmm. That's been really appealing. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, I don't look for short books on purpose, hardly ever. Like that's not usually a big factor for me in deciding what I'm reading. But when I find that a book's short, I'm like, oh, okay. I kind of like the sense of satisfaction. Mm-hmm. And they say when they're like talking about sleep, sleep begets sleep. So the more sleep you have, the more sleep you're going to get. That's kind of how I feel about reading books. Like when I get in a really good groove of like finishing books or finding books that I really like, I feel like I get through them faster and then I want to read more. It's like very strange. Whereas if I'm like in a reading slump or I just read something really good and I step away from it, it's harder for me to want to pick a book back up. And I feel like I read less. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, having short books can help you get in a really good reading groove. Then it's like you get a little like, if you're like anything like us, you get a sense of satisfaction. Ooh, I just checked a book Mm -hmm. off. Like I've read this book. Like there's something satisfying about marking it as read. Right. And if you have been in any sort of slump or nothing's really hitting you, as that's kind of happened to me in the past couple of weeks, just a short, for me, a nonfiction, Mm. though, like short nonfictions work really well. And you can get that satisfaction of having finished something, Mm -hmm. which can like spur your reading motivation to kick back in. Now, in the past, which I I think this year, no, as far as reading goals go, in the past, I may have tried to find a a short book here and there, which is why I think we also thought this might be fun because we're nearing the end of the year. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people might want to toss in a short book or two, but not just something, you know, fluffy, which is fine. But what if you want something that you, you know what, like you're not finishing just to finish it, but it's short, but you actually maybe enjoy it for your reading goal. Mm-hmm. I didn't need that this year because yeah, same. <laughs> I've already passed my reading goal, same which is here. insane. Which is crazy. I know. I was looking and I'm like, wait a minute. So I was asking how long you've been tracking. I've been tracking my reading since 2010. But this year, normally I'm like you. I'm like, okay, I got to get a couple more in. Like, you know, I'm like reading on New Year's Eve because I want to <laughs> hit my reading goal. This year <laughs> I've read 128 books and that's how many I read last year. I'm like, what the hell's going on? I don't <laughs> no, oh. I don't know what the deal is, but I mean, you know, it's kind of it's kind of cool. I was also looking back to see the, you know, in our in our trackers, the first book I ever tracked was called Dead Until Dark by Charlene Harris. It was the first okay. book in the Sookie Stackhouse series. I cannot tell you the hold these books had on me in 2010. Like I read them all <laughs> in order and I'm not a fantasy girl now. I'm not, it's a vampire. There's, you know, whatever. There's supernatural elements and I'm not a series girl now. I don't know what changed, but anyway, that was kind of the beginning of my reading tracking. Not surprising that we are on the same reading tracking timeline because I also started tracking in 2010, January 8th. It must have been a New Year's resolution. (laughs) Yeah, something. I was like, oh, I wonder. I had to have been deciding to start in January on Goodreads. So my first book was The Lovely Bones by Alice Siebold. And I gave it three stars. I thought I liked that more than three stars And now I wish my past self would have jotted down a few notes uh, (laughs) because there's nothing. I I didn't write any reviews back then. Oh, my God. I used to read any old book. I mean, I was in this thing called library thing, and it it was like early days of getting advanced reader copies. And I would just request any old thing. And I was such a, I was like, I don't know, five stars. Yeah, it was great. (laughs) 
Like I would just <laughs> review. I mean, no offense, not to say there are no good books there, but these were a lot of uh, like self-published authors and just books. I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, my reading tastes have changed so drastically. But I think that's part of the fun of tracking. For sure. Well, and I still remember The Lovely Bones mm-hmm. all these years later. So I'm wondering why yeah. I only gave it three stars. I feel but like you would like know. that. It's about the afterlife, right? Sort of. I know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, the girl has been murdered yeah. and is narrating from the afterlife, of course. I assumed I I gave that four or five stars. So I don't know what, I don't know what. Maybe what? you should reread it. That could be fun. I'm not uh, rereading maybe. Dead Until Dark, though. I'll tell you what. <laughs> These books were not, anyway, not here to bash books. So what was the shortest book you've read this year? Well, the shortest book is The Grown Up by Jillian Flynn, mm-hmm. except I mean, that I thought that was a book, but technically it's a short story. Yeah, right. Okay, so book-wise, and I doubt, I, I actually just finished this. This is a prime example of what I've been doing when I couldn't get into anything. I finished, it's Do Slash Walk by Libby Delena. It's a book about walking. Oh, perfect for you. There you go. <laughs> it's perfect for me. And I have it in print. Mm-hmm. and audio. And it was just enjoyable for an afternoon. It's 128 pages, but I went back and counted. It's it's such a cute little book. There's so many like gorgeous pictures. It's 68 written pages. Oh, so you had it. In- but so everything else is photos of walks. Gotcha. That, so that's, that's short. That is short. That's my, probably my shortest book. Okay. And I, I wasn't going to bring that to the show. So there's a bonus. There's a bonus recommendation for you. Mine, (laughs) you could have paid me money and I would not have picked either of these titles to be the shortest books I've read. One was How Not to Drown in a Glass of Water by Angie Cruz was 208 pages. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what? Didn't feel like that. Did that feel longer? Felt longer. Yeah. And then Mm -hmm. the other one was Tender is the Flesh by Augustina Bastarica. Definitely would not have guessed. It's only 211 pages. Both are, oh, wow. I mean, Tender is the Flesh is five star, will stick with me forever kind of book. But I was surprised because I think I have this prejudgment in my mind that if it's 200 pages, I'm not going to really connect Mm -hmm. with it that much. It's going to be an entertainment but not something long lasting, which is not true. Right. So I'm glad I looked. Exactly right. Yeah. So pros and cons, Mm -hmm. positives of reading short books. Mm -hmm. I think we touched on helping to meet your reading goals if you have one. Mm -hmm. I like too, sometimes Uh, with short books, you get to the meat of the story fast. There's not a ton of, you know, mm -hmm. setup, filler, what have you. It's more or less like, all right, boom, you're dropped into the action. Just accept it. This is what's happening. (laughs) And then you go from there. That is very true. That is very true. And like you said, a lot of times there's less fluff, more substance, Mm -hmm. because the author has less pages to tell the story. So, okay, is there any book that you've read that you wished was longer? Mm -hmm. Yes, there were several. One I'm bringing today, you'll, you'll hear me talk about in a bit here, I definitely think needed more. The other one that came to mind, it's more of a novella, I think. So it's not technically like a, a book, like a full novel, but it was Elevation by Stephen King. And oh, it's about okay. this man that has like unexpected weight loss. And then like his community kind of rallies together to figure out what's going on with him. Very cool concept. But I remember being like, oh, I'm in. This is a great concept. I want more. Like I want more of a story mm-hmm. to go with it. Okay. Do you have any? Well, I have one immediately came to mind. Signal Fires by Danny Shapiro. Oh, was that it's a short 240 book? pages. Oh. 240 pages. And I would have loved another 100 pages. Yeah, yeah. I, I really, 
It was a complete story. I just wanted more. I just wanted more of her writing, more of whatever I could get from that story, I would have taken. A hundred percent. It was so, uh, And see, yeah. that is why I struggle with short books because I, you know me, I like a character-driven story. Tell me what they're mm. eating, what's in their refrigerator, build, set the scene. <laughs> I want to see the apartment. And sometimes the development isn't there with short books. Sometimes, not always. But in my case too, it's so funny. I was thinking about it. Why don't I tend to pick short books? Like, And I'm saying short, like 200-ish pages or less than 250. I don't like getting to know new characters. So I don't mind sitting with a book for a longer period of time because I hate learning new characters. It's like, uh, it's the <laughs> worst part of reading. So if I have a long book, then I could stick with people for a longer period of time. Okay, that makes sense. I haven't thought about that. Yeah, I don't know. It's really weird because I think if I like the characters, I become invested so much mm-hmm. that I just don't want to say goodbye. Yeah. And I mean, I would have taken another hundred pages of Demon Copperhead and that was already yeah. 500 you know, pages. I would have easily, and same thing with Signal Fires yeah. and two completely different books, but it was the characters mm-hmm. I wanted to stay with longer. I think it just depends overall on the book itself, like how talented the author is. Do you think it's harder to write a short book or a long book? Like a really good, like a five-star short or five-star long? I... I have no idea. This is just a <laughs> right. Either guess. Way, we're just talking because <laughs> I mean, obviously, we don't know what we're talking. We're not authors. I would think it has to be harder to write a five-star short book. Yeah, same, right? Don't you? Okay, mm-hmm. that's same just, thing. Yeah, I mean, because in order to have that impact mm-hmm. on someone in way less pages, I feel like you have a better shot of that. Maybe with you know more pages, but then on the flip side of that, what if you have so many? more pages and you lose the reader. Yeah, right. Like exactly. Lose, you know? Well, because there's definitely been books where I'm like, yeah, you could have used some editing. We could have trimmed 150 off the top and been fine <laughs> with this story. Right. Did you agree with that too? You felt Yeah, I thought the same thing. Be- I was going to okay. say, I definitely think it's harder to be a more concise writer that will still grab the reader and make them not want to let go. I feel like it's got to be harder with a, a shorter book. I think that's why more books are 300 25 to 375. I think that's, or maybe I'm just assuming that that's the most common. I don't know. (laughs) Well, I think you're right. I think, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you chat, if you saw on your story graph, I was looking at my books and story graph tells you your average page length Mm -hmm. in the, in one of their pie charts. So 65% of the 121 books I've read so far this year, 65% are between 300 and 499 pages in yeah. length. Yep. That so makes... that's way over half of my reading. Yeah. Okay. 72% of my books have been between 300 oh. and 499. It's... So that makes okay. sense. We're I, pretty close. But I that... told you, I didn't mm-hmm. really, I don't do a ton of less than 300 pages, although I have 32, which I am shocked by. I would never have guessed I've read that many short books. Okay, cool. Okay, fun. Fun. All right. Well, should we share our short books? I do want to tell you about my short books. My first short book is one of the ones that I was referencing where I wish I had about 100 more pages with it. It was The Butcher and the Wren by Elena Urquhart. It's 256 pages. And I liked it. I liked it. Let me tell you a little bit about it. This is a debut written by the co-host of the true crime podcast, Morbid. Now, I don't know that podcast. I've never listened to it, but I know it is incredibly popular. So I was very curious, but I found out that she is an autopsy technician by trade. 
And I'm like, oh, that is super interesting. That's interesting. And she really, that perspective was really, really useful in crafting this story. I could easily see this book being made into the series. And I'd be curious to see the next book in it. So the book is told via dueling perspectives, and I did listen to it. I liked listening to it because it had a male narrator and a female narrator. So it was nice to get both sides. And you've got a notorious serial killer who is known for his particularly brutal crimes. And the forensic pathologist dead said, I'm catching him. So Dr. Ren Muller is a forensic pathologist, and she's the best there is. Until now, she's never uncovered a case that she couldn't solve, but case after case is piling up on Ren's examination table, and soon she's sucked into an all-consuming cat-and-mouse chase with a brutal murderer getting more and more brazen by the day. Now, I liked a lot about this. It is definitely more on the graphic side, which I personally didn't mind, but just know that she definitely uses her experience as an autopsy tech to make you feel like you're in the morgue with her, which is kind of creepy. It's very spooky. I will say that. It's also set in the Louisiana Bayou, which I loved. And they use kind of that setting a lot in the storytelling. It does get right into the action. So it was easy to get sucked into it. And I did finish this in about a day, which I enjoyed. There were also some fun reveals. And it really is this great cat and mouse story because you can kind of tell the killers playing with the investigators and like almost taunting him. So I enjoyed that piece. But I would have liked to see the characters be a little bit more developed, especially the serial killer. We get a little bit about the Dr. Ren Muller, like her motivation and who she is as a person. But the serial killer, I'm like, why is he so evil? (laughs) Maybe there was no explanation (laughs) other than he was just born this way. But I was curious to see a little bit more. If you're a reader that likes to wait until all the books in the series are released before you read it, then you should probably wait on this one because I left unsatisfied with the ending. I was like, I wanted more, right? But it's not necessarily a bad thing because, again, I would be tempted to pick up the next book, and I enjoyed my time with it while I was there. It's a very good debut, and frankly, the cover and the title is what drew me in. I loved both. I thought it was so smart. So if you are interested, you know, that's my lukewarm recommendation. (laughs) And so this book is The Butcher and the Wren by Elena Urquhart. Okay. I'm glad to hear about that. I've seen that around Instagram, so I wondered. All right. My first book is Anon, Please by Demois. <laughs> and I did not understand this title at all, but it was thoroughly explained in the book. And anonymous, you, please. You like heard, they're submitting like yes. juicy gossip and they I want know, to be anonymous. <laughs> I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know that's what the title was until, yeah, until I got into the story. I was like, that's weird. Okay, so this author, she is the creator of At Demois, which is the popular and infamous celebrity gossip Instagram. So this is her debut, and it is about a stylist assistant who decides to turn her Instagram into a celebrity gossip account. And of course, she is anonymous herself. The story follows Cricket Lopez, and she is assistant to one of the most notorious celebrity stylists, who's not a nice person at all. And I want to, I'll circle back to my thoughts on that. But she decides spur of the moment to kind of reinvigorate her old fashion Instagram account into a celebrity gossip Instagram. She doesn't think it's going to lead to anything, but, and she starts off with some like juicy behind the scenes secrets that are kind of surprising that, that no one figured out 
where it came from. But anyway, it really kind of overnight spirals into something crazy. It's very popular. And she becomes kind of an overnight sensation. She becomes famous, even though no one knows who she is. And this is really a kind of a juicy, gossip-filled celebrity story. Now, if you are someone who enjoys trying to figure out who might be the real celebrities behind these fictional characters, you'll have a lot of fun with this. The story follows the ups and downs of what happens when she becomes famous. Can her identity be kept a secret? What happens when she reveals information that people do not want out there? And what happens when there's a steamy new love interest who she meets through her online persona that turns a little tricky, let's say, because she has no idea if she can truly trust his motives. So there's a whole, you know, kind of subplot about that. As the as her account grows and becomes more and more influential, she has to wonder, is it the fame, the insider access, the escape from real life? All of that really worth losing everything she has. Now, this was 288 pages in print. I combined it with the audio. It reads really, really quickly. I would say it was a fun, juicy escape sort of reading. Mm-hmm. My biggest criticisms of this, and I, and I'm I'm taking from a few of the Goodreads reviews that I went back and read because I couldn't figure out. I knew what was bugging me, and it had to do with the weird sex scenes, <laughs> which what that doesn't bother me. So I was trying to figure out why am I bothered? Like, what is it? Well, the people on Goodreads, several of them felt the same way. And, and they, I'm going to use their, their terms because that's exactly it. Cringy. Mm. They are cringy mm-hmm. sex scenes. They were not necessary. They didn't further the plot. It was weird. It was, I mean, I was like, what? It, they were cringy. It really, it really, truly took down the enjoyment for me. The, I'm also kind of lukewarm like you on this. I had a little bit of fun trying to figure out some of the big time celebrities because I'm sure they're based off real people. Mm-hmm. Positive. And, and there were a few name drops of actual celebrities. So that was fun. I enjoyed the first 50% of this way more than the second 50%. Gotcha. So anyway, that's where I land. Enjoyable. Will I remember it? Not really. Probably not a year from now. But it's a fun, quick, short read. So that was Anon, Please by Dumois. Okay, good. I'm glad you read that. I have a copy of it as well. And I was curious, but then I thought, how's this going to play out as an audiobook? And I like to gossip, but I want to know who it's about. Like, I don't want to guess. And I also don't know celebrities like that. So I'm like, Mm -hmm. I feel like I would miss a lot of the subtext just because I'm like, I don't know who these people are. I totally feel like I'm not good at figuring out who the real people might have been. So if anybody else, I mean, if you are like really good or really like that sort of celebrity puzzle, Mm -hmm. then this, you'd have fun with that for sure. But yeah, I felt like I'm clueless. I would really, really, if anyone's read this and Tina, if you read it, I would just like to know who everyone thinks the main like famous guy character that they had as a client. I think his name was Dirk or something. I don't know. I forget his name, but 
Anyway, I want to know who everyone thinks he's okay. based on. I have my theory. I just talk, I think it was Rob Lowe. I don't know if it was. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to say. Maybe. Who knows? But you know, that's kind All of legend. That is kind of fun. That is kind of fun. Well, yeah. Renee, can I please tell you about my next short book? Yes. <sighs> it was a five star read. I love this book so much. I immediately bought myself a print copy for this bookshelf right behind me. This is Rabbit, the autobiography of Miss Pat by Patricia Williams. Do you know this book? I don't think so. Is this a like a multicolored cover? No, it's a white cover with a big gold hoop that says Rabbit on it. Nope, I don't know this. Let me tell you about this. It is the true life story of comedian Patricia Williams who for years went by the street name Rabbit. And I had never heard of her before I heard about this memoir. I got this on my radar years ago because people were saying it was one of the best memoirs they've ever listened to or ever read. I'm so glad I prioritized this. Highly recommend the audio because it's read by the author. And here's the thesis of the book. You want to know about the struggle of growing up poor, black, and female? Ask any girl from the hood. You want to know what it takes to rise above your circumstances when all the cards are stacked against you? Ask me. And so Rabbit was born and raised in a poor neighborhood in Atlanta in the 80s at the height of the crack epidemic. And she was also, during this time, there was a serial killer terrorizing the city, often targeting little black kids, which I did not know about, but I looked into it. I'm like, oh, and I believe someone in her family was targeted. Rabbit was one of five children, and she watched as her alcoholic mother struggled to get by on charity, cons, and petty crimes. She becomes a mother herself at a shockingly young age, but is determined to make a better life for her two children. She has no job skills, and she has an eighth-grade education, so her options are super limited. And so she learned quickly that hustling and humor were the only tools she had to survive. I'm going to leave it there. I recommend not reading the full synopsis just because I didn't. And there were some things in it that I'm like, ooh, wow, I'm glad I didn't know going in because my jaw was literally like open. This book is stunning. If it were fiction, I would have not believed a word of it (laughs) because there's no no way. She talks about all the horrible things she experienced, yet she manages to tell it with perspective and humor. Like this book is funny, also super traumatizing, but like she she's she's far enough away to where I think she could talk about it. But still, I think she probably would have shared in a similar way, like when she was going through it. She and I obviously come from different backgrounds, but reading this helped bring me into what it might have been like to grow up in the 80s in a neighborhood like this in the South. It is a story of resilience and determination from a point of view that often gets overlooked or pushed to the side. And I would not call this a celebrity memoir because she only talks about her comedy career in the last 5%. So if you're like going into it hoping, ooh, I want to hear the dirt about how I got famous, this is not it. But it is a story about hope. I mean, you cannot read this and not root for Miss Pat. And now I want to find her comedy and want to watch her in anything she's ever done. This one has a 4.41 rating after 12,000 reviews. So like, obviously, it resonated with a lot of people as well. I can't say enough good things. If you've liked I'm Glad My Mother Died by Jeanette McCurdy, I think this would be an excellent book to read alongside of it. Very different lives, very different childhoods, but similar mother figures, if you will. God, this book is fabulous, and I recommend that you bump it up your TVR. It's Rabbit, the autobiography of Miss Pat by Patricia Williams. Oh, that sounds good. I like want you to read it because I want to be like, can you 
fucking believe that. <laughs> like I, I don't want to say it, but like there were at least five or six times where I was like, no way, no, no way. This couldn't have happened quick. Also trigger warning for a lot. I mean, there's poverty, there's sexual abuse, there's gun violence. There is a lot in this. So like look up the triggers on the story graph, but I still think this is absolutely worth getting on your radar. Oh, okay. Yeah. You've tempted me. I love finding a nonfiction I haven't heard of. All right. Well, I'm rounding out with a nonfiction too. Oh, good. And you will not be surprised when I tell you that I read and loved this book. Um, Actually, you've heard about it. It was one of my mailbag books that I brought to our bonus mailbag episode. It is Manifest, Seven Steps to Living Your Best Life by Roxy Nafosi. And this is 192 pages. I saw her on the Today Show, heard her talk about this book, immediately went to Barnes & Noble and bought it, and then also used a credit and got it on audio. Wow. she narrates. Yeah. Yes. I had to have it. You know, I, you know, I love the universe. Like I love anything that has to do with this concept of manifesting and the universe. And Roxy is quote unquote, the queen of manifesting. She's a self-development coach. And this is her essential guide to anyone and everyone wanting to feel more empowered in their lives. And I know it sounds, you know, like, okay, another follow these steps to have a, you know, great life. But she does give you seven simple steps to understand the true art of manifestation and create the life you've always dreamed of. Now, that's a lot. That's a lot to to put out there. But this was short. This was really enjoyable. I actually really loved her process, and how she explains the art of manifestation. I believe I believe in it, mm-hmm. and it, it goes way beyond repeating affirmations. This is not about re- like repeating affirmations. This is about how do you manifest things, you know, certain things that you may want. And it, it's very logical. She mixes science and wisdom in philosophy into a really easy-to-follow practice that can help you reach your goals. So it doesn't have to be like, I want, you know, I want a bigger house. You can have that, but how can you go about possibly manifesting things that you want, goals that you have in your life? The key concept that she really touches on is the action that has to be taken, which is really, really interesting. This is what I love about Finding a book that is really enjoyable. Did I love every single part of it? No. There are times when I felt like I said to myself, I get I get what you're saying, but also you're coming across as if everybody could do this, if only you if only you followed this or this worked out for me because a lot works, a lot has worked out for her. You know what I mean? Like sometimes she could make the idea of manifestation seem too simple and too woo woo mm-hmm. and too like everybody can do it. Um, it. It seemed a little too good to be true at times, but gloss over that. Like I think if you take in a book like this, you've got to take in the, just let the whole thing really sit with you. I think it's worthwhile. I really loved it. And just this morning, I was watching Good Morning America. And he, one of the guests that they had on, 
was talking about a movie or, you know, I had it on the background, but I heard her say, I made a vision board 10 years ago. And on the vision board, she put working with a certain director and she's, and she's like, I forgot I put that on there. And she's like, but I, I, she literally used the word manifested. I manifested it. And she just was in a movie with that director. I mean, and I was, and I, tur- I like my ears perked up and I, I, I turned around to Darren and I was like, I just read a book about manifestation. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It was fun. It's different. It's, yeah, I don't know. You, I think everyone could take something from it. It's a little, I know it could be a, a concept that's a little bit out there, but I really like it. It's Manifest by Roxy Nafosi. I'm glad you brought that. I would be interested. You've turned me around on manifestation. I swear. I was like, no, I like science. I don't understand <laughs> in the beginning. But I'm like, you know what? To hell with it. Like, I'll try to manifest. Let me manifest some money. You know what I'm saying? Like, what's going to, what's the worst that'll happen? You, might, you know, you waste some time. You, you feel a little silly. Like, but yeah. You might like this though, Tina. Yeah. She mixes the science of goal setting. Yeah. Yeah. See, that I do There believe. is a science to goal setting. And with this. So it's very grounded, yeah. despite being not a not-so-grounded concept. Good. I like that. Yeah. What you just described is, have you ever heard of the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon? It's like no. my favorite thing. It's when, okay, you learn about something, you hear a word or whatever, you get introduced to something, and then all of a sudden you seem to, it seems to appear everywhere. That's got a name, the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon. Ah. And I always forget what it's called. I'm like, I got to look it up because... <laughs> I love it, but I can't remember that name. That's exactly okay. Right. I didn't know there was a name for that. Mm-hmm. I learned something Crazy else right. new today. Learn something uh-huh. new today. All right. Well, let's talk about my shelf edition. You know what I mean? Is it time? Okay. Okay. It's time. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this one. Oh, this one is so fun. I got this in an email from a publisher, and I it was so interesting to me. I read it out loud to John right away, and he's like, "Oh, that sounds good." So my shelf edition is "The Bandit Queens" by Parini Shroff. And it's about a young Indian woman, and she finds the false rumors that she killed her husband surprisingly useful until the other women in the village start asking her for help in getting rid of their own husbands. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) This one, I love it. It's a razor-sharp debut. And I guess what happened is Gita's no-good husband disappeared five years ago. She didn't kill him, but everyone thinks she did, no matter how much she denies it. But soon she discovers that being known as a self-made widow has some surprising perks. No one messes with her. No one threatens her. No one tries to control her. No one's asking for her hand in marriage. And it's been good for business. No one wants to get on her bad side by not buying her jewelry, which makes me laugh. Freedom must look good on Gita because the other women in the village have started asking her for help to get rid of their husbands, but not all of them have been asking nicely. Now that Gita's fearsome reputation has become a double-edged sword, she must decide how far she's willing to go to protect it, along with the life she's built. Because even the best laid plans of would-be widows tend to go awry. I'm like, this sounds so good. If it's done well, I'm going to enjoy the heck out of this. This is full of Mm -hmm. dark humor and surprising heart, which sign me up. So get this one on your radar now. This one does come out next year, but we don't have to wait too long. It comes out on January 3rd, 2023. And that's The Bandit Queens by Parini Shroff. Yeah, that sounds so good. Oh, man. Okay. Funny. I almost thought, oh my gosh, what if we were bringing the same book? Because a publisher sent me this 
uh, via email, but it's not the same book. This one is Small Joys by Elvin James Mensa. Comes out April 11th, 2023. This is a debut. And they sent this to me. It was a great pitch because... It does sound like a previous book that I like that I really liked, which was All Together Now by Matthew Norman. This debut is about Harley. And in 2005, Harley has dropped out of college to move home back to rural England, where he works a dead-end job at a movie theater. He's estranged from his father and finding every attempt at happiness futile. So Harley is on the verge of making a very devastating final decision in his life, when fortunately for him, things do not go according to his plan as he is interrupted by his new roommate, Muddy. Muddy is everything Harley is not. He is outspokenly heterosexual, freewheeling, confident in his masculinity. So despite their differences, a deep friendship starts to blossom between them when Muddy takes Harley under his wing and shows him everything that, in his eyes, makes life worth living. But this newfound friendship is complicated. It has quite a few repercussions for the pair's romantically entangled friend group. So in the friend group, there's Chelsea, an overbearing striver whose generosity they begrudgingly rely on. There's Finley, a raffish, who has a raffish and uncouth boyfriend. And there's Noria, who, despite her simmering confidence is smarting from a series of unreturned affections. And then there's the violent affair with an older man that Harley finds himself slipping back into. So all of the secrets and jealousies that start to swirl create drama for Harley. And it turns out, even though he finally has something and someone to live for, there could be a turbulent journey toward happiness. This is described as soul-stirring and witty, despite the fact that it sounds like it has a few darker themes coupled with characters that are filled with hope and joyful. So that is Small Joys by Elvin James Mensa. Nice. I haven't heard of that one. Sounds good. Yeah, I hadn't either until I got the email. And it's it does sound like All Together Now mm-hmm. by Matthew yeah, Norman. Yeah. It really reminds me of that. So that was a that was a perfect I have a book that, that I read for next week that that's my comp is all no no. My comp is his first one, last couple standing. <laughs> It's like a really, yeah, really good comp. That's it for today. We thank you for spending a part of your day with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. And if you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us by following us wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get our show out to new listeners and grows our audience. And don't forget, if you would like access to exclusive bonus content, you can join us for $5 a month on patreon.com slash etc. Feedback and questions about the show can be sent to etc at gmail.com. You can also connect with us both on Instagram at etc, Tina at TBR, etc, and me, Renee, at It's Book Talk. Talk to you next week. In the meantime, remember, everything's better with books. Oh my God, I hear John on the phone with these people. I'm like, Uh when I come out of this recording, I want two old dressers canceled. Okay, they have this crazy policy, Renee. Okay, we bought them. It was like $1,000 for two dressers. Fine, whatever. They took the money. Six days later, they refunded it and then tried to charge it again. And the guy was like, oh yeah, that's our our policy. Until it's shipped, we're going to refund it and charge it every six to eight days. 
what? Said, fucking what? Excuse me? Like, just <laughs> never heard take of that. the money and then, like, send it. What are you talking? And, like, John made him repeat it, like, six times. He's like, what? And I was, like, I was half listening. And then I, like, tuned in. I'm like, is he serious? Like, how does that make any kind of sense? But then John's bank keeps flagging it because it's like, why is this money coming in and yeah. out? Obviously. So, anyway. Oh. I can hear him, too. I was like, I think the mic is picking up the phone. <laughs> <laughs> so, hopefully he can uh, phase gosh. that out in post. <laughs> 